We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England standing QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle, he dives, and he's in! Touchdown, 49ers! Hey there! Happy Draft Day, everybody! Thanks for joining Candlestick Chronicles 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. He's Chris Biederman. I'm Kyle Madsen. We're your hosts, and we're recording this late Thursday night. It's 10.57 p.m. Pacific time. The first round of the draft is done. Uh, The 49ers, by way of a couple trades, selected defensive lineman Javon Kinlaw and wide receiver Brandon Ayuk. And and Chris, I want to just kind of jump right into it here. Uh, do you have any initial kind of big picture thoughts before we dive into each pick individually? Well, the the big picture thought is that they basically took their two veterans that they lost out of the starting lineup in DeForest Buckner and Emmanuel Sanders and then just replaced them with comparable players in the first round of this draft. And it didn't really shake out like we thought it might. We thought the 49ers might trade down uh, from 13 and 31 to to recoup some second and third round picks to continue supplementing the roster because they did have potential looming needs um, at cornerback and offensive tackle. But instead, the 49ers move back one spot uh, from 13 to 14. They get a fourth round pick in doing so, and then they flip that fourth round pick to move up from 31 to 25. So in getting Javon Kinlaw, they get somebody they think is comparable to DeForest Buckner 
He's going to be a lot cheaper than DeForest Buckner. Javon Kinlaw is going to make about $15 million over the next four seasons because he was slotted at that 14th overall pick. And then Brandon Ayuk is somebody who is raw, but Kyle Shanahan said he was his favorite receiver prospect in the draft, which to me raised my eyebrows because I had just assumed that Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and maybe even CeeDee Lamb would be up there. The Perhaps a more surprising aspect of that to me was, you know, me as somebody who thought Jerry uh, C.D. Lamb might not be a Kyle Shanahan kind of receiver. Shanahan said C.D. Lamb was his, was, uh, his second favorite wideout in this class. So um, the 49ers still don't have picks in rounds two, three, and four. The way Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch talked about it in their Zoom conference call after the first round didn't sound like they were super eager to move any other assets to get into those rounds. Um, So it could be that the 49ers just don't pick until round five, um, and they dealt away one of their fifth-round picks. They came in with two. They dealt one of those fifth-round picks to move up from 31 to 25 to take Ayuk. Um, But when you're a Super Bowl contender and you feel like you already have a really good roster and you lose two players off that roster, replacing them with first-round picks... Um, isn't a terrible way to go, in my opinion. Now, a lot's riding on these two guys because the 49ers want to get back to the Super Bowl this year, and and if they don't, uh, it could be a referendum on the way Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch built this team. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it's an exceptional draft because they didn't get any other picks in those rounds where they don't have picks. But I think it's a, a really good effort from them in that they they found guys that they found guys that they like at positions where they had voids, um, and they got younger and cheaper at those spots. So, to me, it's a it was a good first round for them. The issue they're going to have though is is the fact that they're not going to be able, in all likelihood, to get a cornerback that maybe is going to start opposite Richard Sherman. Um, unless they find another gem in the fifth round or something like that, which seems like it's going to be really difficult. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the knock on this draft is they're not going to have enough bites at the apple, but in terms of what they did in the first round and where their roster is already at, I, I think it's a pretty solid uh, a pretty solid haul for them in the first round to come away with two prospects like they did. Yeah, it's a quantity over quality thing for a team that is coming off a Super Bowl and is largely bringing back most of most of their their roster that they took to the Super Bowl, uh, they could they could have probably traded back uh, a couple more times, maybe even from 14 and maybe from 31, and accumulated a bunch of mid round picks. But then they'd run into just an issue of, of of roster spots, and and all of a sudden you're getting less quality players uh, to 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 fill roster spots that you might not have. So I I. I get the philosophy behind it. I think I'd mentioned before the the Titans did that when I was when I was writing for them. Uh, they did that in the 2018 draft, I believe it was. It might have been 2017. I forget what year, but they basically had a four-player draft class because they were very confident in their roster and they moved up a couple times just to make sure they were targeting guys they wanted. And that's what we saw the the Niners do here. So uh, I. I think the the risk is is fascinating though because they're going to need Kinlaw to replace 85% of what DeForest Buckner was doing and they're going to need him to do it pretty much right away. 
they're going to need Ayuk to turn in a year pretty close to what Debo Samuel had last year. It's it's a pretty massive risk, and and they're putting a lot of the onus on on those two guys to to not only be good next year, but be good in two and three and four years. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, it, it's a risk, but it's just sort of it, it's the the price of being a contender in the league. Right. In that it's not like baseball where you can just keep paying the same guys. Um, over and over again and, and have the same core together for a decade, uh, unless you're an Oakland A's fan. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, it, it's just the cost of doing business. You you yeah. can't pay everybody. So with Eric Armstead coming up on his deal, um, getting being able to pay Armstead and then replacing Buckner with Javon Kinlaw, um, I think makes sense from, from a practicality standpoint. Uh, one thing I, I do, I think I disagree with you a little bit on this, is that, I don't know that they need Kinlaw to be necessarily 85% of Buckner. I think hmm. if Kinlaw, as a rookie, just comes in and plays well, I think there's so much talent around that defensive line, around him in particular, that I don't know that he's necessarily going to have to do a whole lot. And I actually think, particularly with uh, DJ Jones, if he stays healthy... I think Kinlaw might not even have to be super productive. He just needs to kind of play his game and allow the coaching staff to put him in position where, you know, he's he's allowing other guys to flourish. If if he's you, penetrating, you don't, you don't think that'd be a little bit disappointing if they they take this guy 14th and he is just a rotational guy. Well, as a rookie, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if if he gives you five sacks and he plays you know, 50% of the snaps and he plays well and the defensive line holds up to me. To me, it's about evaluating what the defensive line is as a whole, not necessarily comparing Kinlaw to Buckner, because I don't think that's necessarily fair sure. because Buckner is a veteran who is a high level player, um, a pro bowl candidate, all pro candidate type guy. Um, so expecting Kinlaw to be that from the jump, I think is probably unfair but I think he could be productive. I think he could be a five-sack guy. I think he could be somebody that commands double teams. And I think he could develop into a really good player. But I think he's a little bit raw right now. Um, in terms of it in terms of it being a bad pick, I know some fans uh, really wanted the 49ers to go receiver there. And we'll talk about Brandon Ayuk and what Kyle Shanahan said about him in a second. But, um, like, you know, there's there's this thing online, you know, uh, analytic people really didn't want the 49ers to take a defensive tackle. And I get it, I guess, from a positional value standpoint, but this is the 49ers formula. Like it this is, is yes. what, this is what got them to the point last year where they went to the Super Bowl. Yes. Their defense was built around the dominant defensive line. So when you can't pay somebody like DeForest Buckner and you have to trade him, the best thing to do is to take that asset and use it on a player you think is similar who's, what, 17 18% the price? So yeah. if the trade-off yeah. is Javon Kinlaw, uh, who's, you know, 50 60 70% as productive as DeForest Buckner as a rookie at 19% the price, you're definitely winning there. And I think if Nick Bosa sure. stays healthy, takes a leap, if D. Ford is healthier this year, we know what he can do when he when he plays. Um and Eric Armstead, if if he sustains what he did last year, 
I don't you're not going to need like 12 sacks from Javon Kinlaw to be good along the defensive line. I think you just need him to carry his water um you know be be a complement to those other guys, take up those double teams, get the sacks while they're there. This isn't a team that like has, you know, obviously they have a very talented defensive line already. It's not like they're asking Kinlaw to be the guy. Um Nick Bosa is the guy. Right. Uh, Eric Armstead is paid to be one of the guys, and D. Ford is also paid to be one of the guys. So they don't need necessarily Kinlaw to be a megastar right away um, for them to be good. And I think D.J. Jones is probably going to eat into his playing time maybe more than we think. Sure, I can see that. I guess where where I'm coming from on that is when we look back and kind of evaluate the DeForest Buckner trade, and there's this this. I I I've heard this in on the radio station. I've heard this. I've read it on Twitter where where people say that that they're replacing DeForest but they traded DeForest Buckner for Javon Kinlaw, and that's just that's not necessarily true. Just because of all no. the financial stuff that that went with trading Buckner and. They re-signed Armstead and they re-signed Jimmy Ward and they gave themselves the freedom to to give Kittle a, a a massive extension. Like there were there were financial ramifications that came with it, to where you can't just say it was a player for player swap. Uh, what I I, I think it's going to be evaluated that way though. No matter no matter what, I think just the general kind of public is going to always evaluate Kinlaw versus Buckner. And I just I wonder how that's going to shake out uh, with with the fan base if Kinlaw does come in and he has you know four or five sacks and he's only playing half the snaps. Um, I, I'm I'm very interested to see how to see how that that would be received. Yeah, I mean I I don't know that like DeForest Buckner's first season he had six sacks. Mm-hmm. Um. So it wasn't like he lit the world on fire. It was very clear Buckner was good. Like he was, yeah. he played almost every snap. He only missed one game his rookie season. He only had three sacks in 2017, um, and then he had 12 sacks in 2018. I, I think, I think we can expect sort of a similar trajectory. I don't know if Kinlaw is going to be as durable. I don't know if he's going to evolve into, you know, a team captain. The you know Buckner was the guy in that defensive line group. He right. was the tone setter, the leader. Um, he was a team captain. He was voted on as a team MVP by the coaching staff. So Buckner has big shoes to fill, but like like you said, I, I don't know that I, I don't think it's fair to judge to judge Kinlaw against what Buckner does. I think Buckner making right. twenty one million dollars a year over the next four seasons raises the bar extremely high. Like if the 49ers get uh, anywhere near the level of production from Kinlaw that Buckner is going to give the Colts, then you can look at the price and the fact that it's a fraction of the cost. Um, I think it's going to be a win for the 49ers because what it did, the 49ers, you know, we, we've talked about this, but like the 49ers deciding to pay Eric Armstead and not Buckner was not a choice of, you know, Armstead or Buckner. It was what can we get in a trade for DeForest Buckner versus what can we get in a trade for Eric Armstead? So the 49ers could have paid Buckner and then got a second or third round pick for Armstead, but they decided to pay Armstead less than Buckner and then get the 13th overall pick, um, which 
looks like it'll be a pretty interesting trade asset. So, or sorry, looks like it will be a pretty interesting asset, not a trade asset. With currently no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, betonline.ag, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Las Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. It's all open 24 hours a day, and it's all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Speaking of Buckner, something that happened tonight that I didn't think was going to happen was the web of his trade ended. <laughs> I, I was fully expecting the 13th pick to become multiple picks and right. then perhaps one of those picks to become multiple. So I had this whole piece ready to where I was going to like track all the players the Niners got for DeForest Buckner. Uh, it turned out to just be Kinlaw and Ayuk <laughs> because they traded 13 for 14 and 117. They took Kinlaw at 14, and then they used 17, 117 as one of the picks to move up for Ayuk, and that ended that. <laughs> right. I was very disappointed because I was very excited to have to track that whole thing. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting how... It's sort of like what happened in 2017 just from a mechanic standpoint because the 49ers traded back from 2 to 3 to take Solomon Thomas and then used some of those picks they got in the hall from that trade uh, to move back into round 1 to take Reuben Foster. So the 49ers wound up using the fourth round pick they got uh, to move up from 31 to 25 and trade with the Vikings. What was surprising to me, like I said, is that Kyle Shanahan viewed Brandon Ayuk as his favorite receiver prospect in this class, Um, which is fascinating on a bunch of different levels because Kyle Shanahan is – the way – you know, I asked him about how he evaluated Ayuk and the fact that he only had one season of production really at ASU after transferring from a junior college. He wasn't somebody who was like Jerry Judy, who you saw it for three years at a high-level program. And Shannon's just like, I just go off the film, and like he was my favorite guy in this class, and we knew he wasn't going to be there at 31. So the fact that we could trade down from 13, get the pick we needed to move up from 31, um, like Kyle Shanahan was beaming, like he was beaming in his conference hmm. call afterwards. He was like, I mean, I've, you know, Shanahan's usually a, pr- a pretty affable guy, I guess, when it comes to the media. But he was like, he loved the fact that they got Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk in this class. So what you're getting with Ayuk is a raw player, but somebody who has traits that Shanahan really covets. And I think the thing that Shanahan covets the most in talking to people is the ability to explode out of your break. So when you're running a route, when you put your foot in the ground and you change direction, you explode out of that. Well, Mm -hmm. What what Ayuk does athletically is he's very explosive. He's not like he's not a burner. He doesn't have straight line speed. He ran a four five, but he jumps out of the gym. Like he, I'm looking up the exact numbers right now. Uh, I'm looking up the spider graph. 
So 40-inch vertical, 92nd percentile, 128-inch broad jump, 88th percentile. Um, what's interesting, too, is, like, PFF's draft guide, they have the comp to uh, to Brandon Ayuk as um, Pierre Garçon, of course, a former 49er and Kyle Shanahan favorite. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Dane Brugler, who does a great draft guide for The Athletic, he had the comparison to Emmanuel Sanders. No. So... <laughs> So I, I actually thought he looked and moved a little bit like Emmanuel Sanders when I was, you know, watching YouTube cutups and, and stuff like that. But he he's that kind of player in that he's really good after the catch. He averaged, I think he was tops in the draft class, like over 10 yards after the catch, um, which, you know, obviously within Kyle Shanahan's offense, if you can eat up yardage after the catch, you're probably going to be effective. But Shanahan thinks he can play all three receivers. He likes all three receiver positions, I should say. Um, he mm-hmm. likes his toughness over the middle, his explosiveness, obviously. Um, had a ton of big plays at Arizona State. And um, John Lynch said that Herm Edwards is still one of his best friends just in life and that Edwards, you know, sort of gave him the uh, gave him the, the background on, on Ayuk as, as a person and the locker room fit. Um, so, I, you know, it's it's tough for me to be like, I don't like that receiver that Kyle Shanahan picked because I'm not going to pretend to – I'm not going to sit here and be like, I know more about receivers than Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like he was – a lot of people thought he was a second-round prospect. Um, Shanahan said there was no way he was getting to us at 31, which I guess, you know, I guess I have to believe him. I don't know. Um, sure. But I don't have any problem with the pick. I think it was a good one. It's not it, – it, what's notable is they passed on Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb. Uh, to take yeah. Kinlaw, where they could have taken one of those guys and then gone with, like, Ross Blacklock or Neville Gallimore or right. um, the Texas A&M guy or uh, the other Alabama guy, Raekwon Davis. Um, but this is what they came up with. And, like, I really think until we see him play... The, the draft only... Twitter was furious, by the way. Keep going. Oh, well, draft Twitter... I mean, Twitter's always <laughs> furious with something. But, um... To me, the knock on the on the draft so far is that they don't have those extra picks in rounds two, three, and four. Yeah. Um, but you lose Emmanuel Sanders and you lose DeForest Buckner and you replace them with two first-round picks, it's like, it makes sense. And these are two guys that the 49ers like. They're perfect scheme fits. Um, it's just that, like you mentioned, there's going to be a lot of weight on their shoulders because the 49ers are Super Bowl contenders, and they're going to need those guys to do similar things to what, you know, DeForest Buckner did or the impact Nick Bosa had last year. Um, And Emmanuel Sanders had a massive impact on the offense. So, I mean, the learning curve is steep for Ayuk, and he's going to have to come in and and play right away, or else Debo Samuel's, you know, going to need to be like a 1,500-yard guy um, to to pick up the slack. Yeah. So that's the issue is that they're going to be relying on these guys to play big roles next year as rookies, and that's tough. Um, But, you know, we'll have to see if they can do it. One of the things with Ayuk is one of the first times I ever watched him, I actually have a tweet about it where I said, Brandon Ayuk seems like a Kyle Shanahan guy. And it's just one of those things where it's like, I think you start, not, not you, I start to overthink it when it comes to, like, watching guys and trying to figure out who the Niners are going to take. 
And sometimes it's just like, oh, yeah, that guy does a bunch of stuff that the Niners could probably use in their offense. And I, I think that that, that that really still stands. So um, I we were, we were talking offline about if it's redundant with Debo Samuel, if, if I skill set is redundant with Debo Samuel, but I think both of those guys are, are multifaceted enough that it's not going to matter. And I think I just going to kind of slide in really nicely uh, wherever uh, he lines up on a, on a, on a given play. Yeah, I agree with that. So how, how I framed it in my mind was, you know, the question that we, you and I were pondering with our, with our buddy, Nick Wagner, ESPN, friend of the pod, friend of the pod, um, you know, is, is Ayuk redundant with Samuel? And I think the version of Brandon Ayuk that played at Arizona State last year might be redundant with Debo Samuel. The version yeah. of Brandon Ayuk you get after three years of playing in Kyle Shanahan's offense and working every day with Wes Welker, I think it could resemble somebody like Pierre Garçon or Emmanuel Sanders. Um based on the traits that he has and what he could develop into. So maybe he's redundant right now in that you're going to be giving him a lot of bubble screens, a lot of quick games, some reverses, um, and probably limit his route tree. But, I mean, what Kyle Shanahan said was, like, we can scheme him to be effective. And Kyle Shanahan's, you know, the most confident play caller in the world. Like, if if there's a skill set that he likes, he knows how to maximize it. And he seemed super thrilled with, with that idea in getting Ayuk, his favorite receiver, in a super deep receiver class. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, there's a chance that Ayuk might be a little bit redundant this year, but, like, you're going to need Kendrick Bourne to be really good, and you're going to need Debo Samuel to be really good, um, and you're going to need Ayuk to, to develop. But I think the over the long run, in terms of the way Ayuk fits with what Kyle Shanahan does, I think it's great. I think it's a perfect fit. Yeah. Um, but the question is, how much can he contribute as a rookie? Yep. And how much is it going to hurt the team that they don't have second, third, and fourth round picks maybe to, to add a cornerback or yeah. um, you know, an offensive end. tackle or whatever else that they might need? Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, very, very interested to see how they operate on day two if they do anything or if they're just going to kind of stand pat with, with the two guys they have here and and roll forward with that. So so the only chance, I mean, unless they dip into their 2021 right. draft hall, um, I don't I don't know that they're, they're probably not going to pick on Friday um, unless they do that. But they're, they do have veterans that they could trade, and so... You know, do they move Jaquaski Tart uh, if they think they have a cheaper option in in this draft that they like maybe a little bit better for the long run? Or do I mean they're going to trade Marquise Goodwin at some point, um, or they're trying to if there are any takers? We don't know that there are any takers right now. Right. So they might be able to move a veteran. I don't think they're going to trade D Ford. Um, so uh, they could trade they could trade a veteran on the roster for a mid round pick. I think it's unlikely they could dip into next year's uh, slew of draft picks uh, because I think they still have a pick in every round. Off the top of my head, I don't think they have any more future picks. Um, but anyway, that yeah. So don't think they pick tomorrow, but there's a chance. And yeah, we'll, and uh, I think and I think they're going to wind up walking away from this draft 
probably pretty happy based on what uh, based on what Shanahan was saying today. Yep. So we're gonna wrap this one up. Uh, just wanted to get a quick first day thoughts podcast in. I think we're gonna do one this weekend that'll come out Monday, where we kind of assess the entire draft class and and take a bigger picture look at, at what the Niners look like moving forward. So, uh, Chris, unless you have any final thoughts, I'm going to get us out of here. Charlie Casterly said uh, Javon Kinlaw was his favorite pick of round one. Great. I love that. Uh, our friends at the Draft Wire gave it an A. So, interesting. Yeah. So, that's going to do it for us. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, Candlestick Chronicles. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you again on Monday. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.